Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1032. The only thing that really stands out is a disposition to get things done. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Story. Hey, David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready to rock and roll. All right. David Story is an artist with a passion for automobiles. After 15 years in the construction business, he shut down his 45-home-a-year business and pursued his lifelong passion to be an artist. He moved to Income, Idaho and built a home and a studio on the side of a mountain. David's been a gearhead all of his life, riding motorcycles, which he still does today. He paints a variety of genre, from hot rods to race cars, farmers and their equipment, and the iconic Indy 500. David has seven children, 21 grandchildren, fortunate guy he is, and along with his wife of 40 years, they do volunteer work, including work in Uganda and Ghana, Africa, and work in their hometown there in Idaho. So, David, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Much like you, I came from a lower middle class American family. My dad worked for Bell Telephone all his life, a World War II vet. And I guess maybe because I could never afford a car, I always wanted one. I can remember One of the most enjoyable things was when the Hot Rod magazine came out in April. And back in those days, Indy 500 cars were built in people's garages and different things like that. And it was always fascinating for me, and this is at 13, 14 years old, to read about the different creations I miss that about the Indy 500 today and the spec racing that exists. I understand why. But someone would take a Rambler 232.6 and turbocharge it. I don't know if it ever qualified, but that fascinated me. Or a Chevrolet 283 and put injectors on it. And that was just always have such a clear memory of those kind of things. And and the idea that somebody could create something with chalk and a welder on their floor and take it to a world-renowned race just always grabbed me. And that's probably some of the earliest memories I even have of cars is um, I'm a lifelong subscriber to Hot Rod and Cycle World and Auto Week and things like that. And that's my one of my earliest memories is is the Indy 500 prep. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you and your artwork as we continue through the journey that is your life. But first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. Some kind of saying that has importance to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, David, take the wheel. The only thing that really stands out is a disposition to get things done. I ran a small business all my life. No one paid my bills. No one put food on my table. And if I didn't drive a nail in the board, so to speak, 
and somebody paid me for it, everything else was a waste. And I was always driven that what I did today, did I get something done towards what I was seeking? And in that case, was just to feed my family when I started. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that you paint and enjoy painting farming and farming people and farming equipment. And I know having read your website, it's an important part of about who you are. My father came from a farming family in Texas. He was the only child of five who left and came out west and became an architect, but he had his own practice and had to do the same thing, put food on our table, which he did very nicely all the time. But what what drove you to think that way, to be the entrepreneur that you became versus going and just working for someone else or driving a nail for someone else? Honestly, I cannot tell you. I graduated with a degree in art, worked for a couple years in construction, went back to school and got my certification to be a school teacher. And I taught art and coached wrestling for one year. And in May, I had a new baby, and my wife and I had been married for about a year and a half, and I told the principal I wasn't coming back next year. I started my own painting business. Honestly, Mark, I don't know. I just felt like I always wanted to work for myself, and if I was going to roll the dice, I wanted to reap the rewards or the penalties for doing well. I did not want to depend on a paycheck. Yeah, I tell you, I think the uh, pivotal moment there was having a child. And I've heard this from many, many people. It changes everything in your life because now there's someone else that is not only dependent upon you, but someone else that's more important than yourself. And that is a big driver I've found from a lot of the guests on the show here is that when they, they have that child, all of a sudden everything changes, their perspective changes, and they need to provide for that little one there. And uh, they get serious and they start working really hard. That's for sure. And you had seven, so oh my gosh, that's a house full of people to feed. Yeah, if we had, what, four more, we'd had a soccer team. <laughs> well, there you go. But with all those grandchildren, you've got a, a couple soccer teams, so you're doing pretty <laughs> darn good, pretty blessed guy. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. I know you, you shared some of that, and maybe that is the story back when you were a kid with these magazines and thinking about IndyCar race cars. But is there a real pivotal moment you can recall when you knew you were a car guy? I would say no. It's in, I don't know, it's in my blood. I just always been interested in cars and motorcycles. I'm eight years older than you. And so when I started riding motorcycles, Honda and Yamaha, it's just barely becoming on the scene. The Honda 50 stepped through and a little bit later, the Honda 90 and S90 and that. And those were pivotal years for me. That's before I could even drive. I used to sit down. I had a drawing board my dad made for me. It just fit across the arms of a rocking chair. And I would watch what movies were available then, and draw motorcycles and design what I thought were motorcycles and airplanes. And I've just always done it. I cannot tell you that there was some day that I got interested. I'm always interested. I love reading DNA. about, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, the stories you shared about Garo and, and things, it's just in their blood. I mean, I know people yeah. that are horses and dogs and you know, all kinds of things. And they just always have wanted to do it and enjoyed it. For me, it's been 
things that make noises and stink. <laughs> make noise. I think horses do that too, but uh, they're not as fun as they're not as fun as cars. But uh, yeah, when I was a when I was a little boy, my uh, my parents bought my sister and I. Uh, from our aunt, uh, some tr- Honda Trail 70s. Remember those? The little Trail yes, 70s back in the 60s. And uh, we'd take them down to Mexico and ride them up and down the beach. Ah, I love those little bikes. They were fun. And that led, of course, to bigger bikes and uh, eventually a potty monster and an MV Agusta F4 and oh, some wow. crazy, crazy bikes. So crazy bikes. Heavy but uh, yeah, nuts. A little bit nuts. Well, David, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've Driven down, crawled down, worked down, and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you face along the way. And of course, these are important lessons that we learn from these challenges and failures. So walk us through one of yours. Tell us how that experience helped you move forward in your life and your career. Well, and and I hope I can do this in a non-preachy way. I really don't intend it to be that. But I had reached a point in my career. I was a small home builder. I mean, 40 to 50 homes a year in NAHB, National Association of Home Building, is, I mean, it's a medium-sized builder. Most builders build seven homes a year or less. 95% of the membership does. But I had reached a point that I really wanted to pursue my art. I was getting older. As you're well aware of, you somewhere around 45, 50, 55, you come to the realization you're going to die. Time is limited. Really? It's not Wait a minute. Go on what? Forward. What did you just say? I'm going to die? Oh, my God. I didn't know that. You're mortal. You just, I am. Yeah, darn it. Yep, you're right. <laughs> and and when we, re, I think we realize that, we start focusing things that are more important personally, emotionally, family-wise than necessarily making another dollar. Again, became a matter of, for me of prayer. And that, and um, the interesting thing is, is how things work out. In 2001, I had the best year I had ever had in home building. And it was that year that I really started to make it something that I focused on, um, again, was prayerful about, that I wanted to change. 2002 was the worst year I had ever had. And we had a subdivision that was kind of going south on us a little bit. What ended up happening is a guy came into my life that wanted to get into home building. He had enough assets. He allowed me to get my assets out of my company. He moved in and continued on with it. And that's when we relocated to Idaho. And my point being is sometimes bless curses aren't necessarily curses. They're blessings. If certain things hadn't happened then, I'd probably still be in Kennewick, still building homes. Yeah, I'd have made another million or $2 million in the last 10 or 12 years or whatever. But I'm 68 now. If I die when my dad died, I've got 16 or so years left. And I just think that one of the privileges, frankly, of age is the privilege of being able to focus on what you feel is most important in your life. It just gives you a a way to see things that just is not available at 35 or 40 kind of thing. And so for us, 
We're not in any means wealthy. We're self-reliant. It has provided us the opportunity since I've been about 53 to be able to pursue what I want with my wife and that. And we have pursued it for the last 12 to 15 years, and we'll pursue it till we're done. Nice story. Important story, important lessons there for sure. I appreciate you sharing all that. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when those headlights illuminate, maybe a new path, allow you to make a pivot or a move in some way that's positive. What was one of your career aha moments? When I realized, and in the conversation you and I've had reinforces it, I believe that as people, individuals, whatever, who work hard to be prepared to learn what they can learn, to gain the knowledge that they can gain and so forth, when they are ready, someone will be put in our way that will help us accomplish what we want. And how I say that is in the man that was put in my way. It wasn't because I was smart or anything else. Was a developer out of Bend, Oregon, and I built about 150 homes on his lots. And we had an excellent working relationship. Um, I didn't even have to pay for the lots until the house is sold, which allowed me to build one and a half more houses for the same amount of money. And that's what provided me the extra money I needed to at 53 years old to say, I'm going to change gears. I'm going to do what I want for the rest of my life instead of getting up every morning and dealing with the world, so to speak. Sure, sure. Nice. Another great story for sure. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back into your life and talk about your first really special car. Maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. <laughs> oh, my I don't know if you'd call it special. I'll give you two. Okay. The first, the first one, I'll make it quick. The first one was a 1955 Volkswagen. This car was so old, it still had pop-up turn signals on it. I think I spent more time under and around keeping that car running than any car I've ever owned. I paid $200 for it, reupholstered it, put tires on it, rebuilt the engine, put a new ring gear on it. And when it went out the driveway, I sold it for $200, and I was so glad to see that car gone. <laughs> the, the second one was, I was actually in college at the time, was the first time I really had a nice car. And by that taste standards, it, it isn't even probably cool. But it was a 1965 Chevrolet Malibu. Had a 327 in it, had air conditioning. And that kind of a thing. I mean, it wasn't an SS or anything like that. But for a poor boy from Kennewick, Washington, who rode the bus to school until the day he graduated, to have a car like that, I don't even know how to put words in it. It was just something special. And my biggest regret is that I ever sold that thing. Yeah. You know, you talk about that VW Bug. I mean... You go back to those old mid-50s bugs where they got those trafficators. I think they're called trafficators, which were semaphore signals that yep. popped up from the bodywork. Yeah, those were cool. Yep. I mean, that car nowadays is a collector piece. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I had it back. 
it's taken a while for them to, to, to come to that point. But so my next question is always about seller's remorse. Is that that Chevy the one you wish you hadn't let go? Of all the cars that I've owned that I wished I could have back, it was the Malibu. And actually, about 30, 25 years after I sold it, I was in a business meeting in Kennewick, and a guy comes up to me and says, are you Dave Storr? I said, yes. And he said, did you used to own a turquoise Malibu? And I said, yes. And he said, I used to have that car. And I oh, said, wow. do you still have it? My heart is pumping and, and yeah. I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> and he said, no, I sold it. And I don't oh. know where it is. And it's really for nostalgia. It isn't because the car is anything special. It was the first one that I ever had that I considered nice. Yeah, it's always the memories, that's for sure. Well, I would love for you to share a little more about what you're doing these days that has you excited and fired up. I mentioned in the intro a lot of different genres that you paint in the automotive world. I mean, and I I found out about you through Facebook because you're part of a Facebook group, and I saw your work and went, oh, i got to talk to this guy. You do some really cool things. And, of course, the farm farmers and their equipment is something very different and a bit outside of all the hot rods and race cars. But what kind of artwork are you working on these days that has you excited and fired up? Well, I'm actually kind of transitioning. I've always been interested in a way to marriage technology with the hand skills, so to speak, the brush, the ink pen, the canvas, the oils. And things like that. Because so many things, there are so many good automotive artists out there. I mean, it is almost discouraging. There are so many good ones. And everybody's got to find their own swing and, as you well know, their own brand, so to speak. And so my search has is, is always been trying to find my own swing. And really where I've started to push into, and it's only been recently, and in that is I've had an iPad and I went and bought an iPad pen and started playing with it. And so I went and bought the 12.9, the biggest one you can get, and I have started playing with that. And then I'll, I'll do a sketch and take it into Photoshop and I'll manipulate it and play with it. And then I may import it back into my iPad and do some more things and then slide it back into Photoshop. I'm coming up with some fun, different things. There's a certain spontaneity to it that you can't create otherwise. But if you didn't have the original sketch, the original lines, the original marks on a screen at this case, and that you could never get the end product that comes as a result of marrying technology with eye-hand coordination. And that's really only in the last, oh, I don't know, three, four months that I've started stumbling into this. And that's really it, is stumbling. And I'm doing some interesting things. Mostly what you've probably seen lately is a result of that kind of thing. The farm stuff, nobody really does it. I do it because I just love the self-reliant, independent farmer of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, before it became corporate farming and that, and raising a family on a farm. And, and so that I still do in oils. It really doesn't lend itself. But you take um, a dragster that's 
a slingshot front engine dragster that's burning out and it's got chrome and helmet and reflections and smoke and things like that and you sketch and draw it and then go in and play with it and, and it takes us it's a different kind of skill that's kind of where I'm going right now and I'm an experimenter I always think there's a different way and there's a better way and so if you don't keep pushing then you've really relegated yourself to mediocrity. And so for me right now, that's kind of where I'm pushing. Very cool. You know, this has got me inspired here, David, because I have an iPad Pro that I recently bought, and I bought it with the pen, and I've been starting to play with that. Now, I'm nowhere near the kind of artist you are, nor the 200-plus artists I've had on this show. I've had some spectacular automotive artists on the show, but I've started playing with it, so I think you've given me some inspiration to walk away from my computer at night, maybe sit down in a comfortable chair and start playing with this medium. I might be calling you back and asking you for a little advice in the future, but uh, I appreciate that very, very much. Do you know what's so cool about it, Mark? Before I got in this, I have a whole tabletop of ink, of oils, of watercolors, of felt pens, of all this other stuff. And the iPad... One is I don't need all of that. I may print it out and manipulate it and scan it and put it back in and play some more with it. But also what my wife and I are going overlanding. And it's something she's wanted to do. And this iPad for me, because if I'm overlanding, I'm not at my studio. I can't do things. And the iPad now, as long as I can keep a charge on it, I can be anywhere. And playing with images, even playing with images that where I'm at, I keep a journal. And that when we were in Africa, I kept a journal and sent it to people. And I had more response from that than almost anything else I've done. But the point being is, is that it becomes a very portable studio. Yeah, very, very cool. Very exciting. That is, that is great. I love that. Overlanding and creating artwork out in the middle of the bush. That's very, very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, David. If you were a vehicle, a car, a truck, what would you be and why? Porsche 911. Oh, nice. One of my favorites. Why a Porsche 911? I've always been a form, uh, follows function, time of person. And I have a Porsche 912 that I bought 40 years ago. And I stripped it all the way down. And so you learn all the little stuff that went into the car, Uh, if you've ever, well, obviously you've been in one, how the rear seats are notched out to create a place for someone to sit. And in between that's the transmission. I mean, all this forms and fit, and this is before computers and ASEA or whatever that computer program that car companies use and that. And here's a car who is performance-oriented, sexy to look at, fun to drive, and yet it's a car where everything comes together. It's not wasted. uh, It's not frivolous. It's not added on. It's kind of pure. And just for that reason, I admire BMWs and the new Porsche 944s and and all the stuff that they've done and understand the reasoning for all of it. I'm like you. I'm kind of a Porsche fan and followed them for many years. But that that basic 
thing in my 1967, and of course the 911 was same, except the engine fit the engine bay a lot better than the 912 motor does. That really is what has always enamored me to that car, especially the older cars before it started to move into water cooling and that when they were much simpler kind of thing where you and I could go out and pull an engine, reasonably rebuild the thing if we had the right tools and parts and things. Exactly. That day is gone for most of us. Yeah, very cool. I love the fact that you got a 67 912 too. That's very, very cool as well. Love the old Porsche 911s. Well, David, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know, I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school. That was way back in 1975. This month, I'm offering you, as a Cars Yeah listener, a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018 through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA Fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf ready-fit semi-custom covers. Simply use the code CARSYAP on checkout at Covercraft.com. NOAA is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly-Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, Rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. Wolf ready-fit semi-custom covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYA at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, David, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You're going to think this is so stupid, but there's a butt for every seat. <laughs> you know, my grandfather used to say that, only he said there's a butt for every saddle because he was a farmer in Texas and raised cattle and wheat. And yeah, same difference, though. That's what he meant. Now, how about a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Get up early. It has a disposition to get something done before you go to bed. There you go. Yeah, that's a well-spoken in the hands of a builder and an artist. 
Now, how about a resource? There are lots of very cool resources these days. Is there one you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners? I'm an original subscriber to, and yet here I am, an original subscriber, and I can't think of the name, the Rotting Journal. Hot, hot Rod. Oh, Rod, oh, Rodder's Journal. Rodder's Journal. And yes. I have every issue that they have ever published, and that is probably, of all the magazines, is probably one I will get till I die. Yeah, that's I've subscribed for many, many years. Now, I've shared them with friends, so I don't keep them all, but I have a stack sitting here waiting for me to look at. I need to catch up because I've got some pretty cool, well, too many magazines sometimes, I think. But Rotter's Journal, I think they've done a tremendous job. I'd love to get the publisher on this show. I've tried and tried. Haven't had success, but maybe one of these days. Uh, if any of you out there know the publisher, uh, hey, give him a call and tell him I'd love for him to uh, to be on the show. But they, they do a spectacular job. Beautiful photography, beautiful printed magazine, almost like getting a book. Uh, yeah. Very, very nicely done. Now, if I could arrange Classy for you to have a drink. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Probably Mario Andretti. Oh, there's another guy I'd like to have on this show who's very hard to get to. Yeah, that would be pretty darn cool. Oh, uh, yeah, a hero for many, many people. The variety of what he's accomplished is he's unique. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, uh, if you've ever read his backstory of when he and his brother first started and how they basically flipped a coin, took their parents' car, and went racing secretly. And the one who uh, got the one the towing cost was going to be the driver, and the other was going to be the mechanic. <laughs> and he ended up being the driver, and the rest is history. Now, uh, if there's a book out there that you'd like to share with our listeners, what would that be? The most fascinating book for me, and I've read it three times, is The Team of Rivals. Oh, a first time that's been mentioned here. I know it's not a car book. I could tell you other things, but fascinating book, fascinating history. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to that book and all the guest-recommended books here on Cars Yow from the past 1,031 guests here on Cars Yow listed at the Cars Yow website. Just go there and click on Resources. That button is right there, easy for you to find. Or you can go to David Story's show notes page on the Cars Yow website, and a link to that book will be listed there as well. All right, David, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get rid of your 912. You can't have that anymore unless that's the car you want to keep. But I'm going to buy you anything. Don't worry about the money. That's not a problem here. Cars, yeah, we've got unlimited funds. So what's the car going to be and why? This is easy. 1976 and 30 Turbo. Oh, so the first era Turbo. Okay. Yeah. Well, what? As if I have to ask because I've got a 930, so I know I know about oh, those wow. cars. Yeah. Um, what is it about that car that you love so much? Maybe over the 912, other than the fact that it's called a Turbo. Everything that I said before about the Porsche and the up the ante, and yeah. oh. in a time when turbos weren't there. They did it. They were the first. And yeah. um, the firstest with the mostest is generally them that wins. <laughs> there you go. Nice choice. One of my favorites for sure. Well, David, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive artistic journey with the Cars Yow audience. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the Idaho sunset in that 76 930 Turbo? <laughs> um, watch out where you pass. Uh, definitely, yeah. Don't pass on a blind corner. 
What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and see the artwork that you create? Facebook page, David Story Art. And I have a web page called Crank Automotive Art. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links to both of those on David's show notes page here on the Cars Yow website. Just go there, type in David's story, and those pages will pop up. I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with his artwork, to check him out. You're going to love what he's doing. Very, very beautiful artwork and automotive-related, and the farm as well. Great, great pieces of art. Well, David, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life experiences with me and the automotive listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.